With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch. Five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Oh, now don't, don't get carried don't away, guys. It's just a podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to look. It's supposed to look like the show. It's supposed to look podcast. a little rough. Like a podcast? That's why I'm the host. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here for the final playoff edition of the NASCAR NBC podcast, where we have two of our NASCAR NBC analysts today, Steve Wittart, Jeff Burton. Thanks for being here, guys. That was very absolute. Like, you're sure it's going to be the final? Of 2019. Not, are you, I, don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> I feel like there's there not going to be another break. playoff. You don't think there could be some major breaking news yeah. that requires another podcast? Yeah. It will not involve the playoffs. Because we are, we are, we can declare with certitude That's that true. Kyle Busch is with your 2019 certitude. champion. Certitude. <laughs> certitude. <laughs> well, I'm not higher than you. This is off the rails already. It Go is. Ahead. It this is. Looks weird. Uh, this is why we did it with two for the last one. Yep. So let's start with Kyle Busch. Here's my takeaway. As much as we talked this year about the five-month winless drought, his issues with the package, how that frustrated him, the errors that he made, that the team made. Listen to you guys talk about it today and on the broadcast last night. It seemed like what it essentially comes down to is as much as Kyle Busch may have been unhappy this year, he won this championship because no one is better at adapting to something new in the Cup Series because he has God-given ability to drive a car in a circle faster than anyone else. It doesn't really matter, ultimately, if he likes what he's doing or not. If he's driven to win, he's so good, he's probably going to win it. Well, you can be good at something that you're not enjoying, that you don't like to do. I mean... He likes to drive a race car, but it doesn't have to be the certain rules package. It can even be a setup. You know, I, I've, I've put setups in the cars that drivers don't like, but they were faster and they were required. And I think Kyle, um, you know, what it seems like to me from Kyle, and it's really been since probably 15, is I've seen less carry over into the race car than perhaps before 2015. I don't know he's less outspoken. Maybe he wasn't 15, but in the last couple of years, I don't think he's less outspoken in the media. It just, when he puts his helmet on and starts doing his job, it's almost like two separate things. He could still dislike something, but it doesn't mean he's going to try less or be less successful. Yeah, but, uh, you know, throughout the year, I think we didn't see it that way. Throughout the year, I think we thought that his uh, attitude was hurting his performance. And, and uh, but, you know, we, we talked about it on NASCAR America. The thing about Kyle is that if he got to Homestead and it's one race – now he can singularly focus on that one race. That's, that's an advantage to him because I think perhaps more of an advantage to him because of his frustration. I think his frustration was higher with the package than other people. And I think being able to set that aside was kind of an advantage in some kind of a weird way. Now, let's be clear. Kyle Busch 
and his team won that championship. But they didn't have the fastest car throughout the whole day. Yeah. You know, they caught some they caught some breaks, which is how you win championships, right? You always catch some kind of break. Uh, but but throughout the entire weekend, every time I spoke to Kyle, he was very relaxed, very happy, um, easy to talk to, as opposed to the images that we've had of him in post-race, where he's been very uh, discontented. He, to me, all weekend long, he was a pleasure to work with, pleasure to talk to, uh, funny, engaging. I think he just went down there with the mentality of, you know, we're going to win a championship, and I think that benefited him. Yeah, whatever his preparation was, it worked. Yeah. And like Jeff said, um, that was a team championship. I think the four executed relatively well. They just weren't fast enough. Um, and I think the three Gibbs cars at times all had more speed than the other. And in the end, one executed a much better race than the other two. Adam Stevens told us post-race that he felt like there was a vibe. Uh, he noticed it with the team members. He noticed it as soon as they loaded off the truck and they were fast. It felt like 2015. And, mm. you know, maybe to your point, Jeff, I mean, maybe Kyle Busch found his happy place because things were just right from the moment he got down there. He made much all week of, hey, I'm the underdog. He didn't say it like in a really kind of angry way, but he just, he wore it. He just said, I'm the guy nobody thinks is going to win this championship. And I don't know, did that help him, do you think? Or... So, I, listen, I, I think everybody – at the end of the day, I just believe that all the drivers that went down there, Denny, the one guy that hadn't really experienced it, but I think that the experience that he had at Phoenix was beneficial to him. Uh, all of them have been there and done that and won them and lost them. And I think that they all – because of the times that they won and because of the times that they lost, I actually think that made them a little more relaxed because Martin Truex went there saying, you know, I thought I should have won last year. And we just got the wrong kind of race. We got a short run. I don't know how to control that. You know what I mean? I think they all kind of went there saying, if we get the race that's good for us, we can win. If we don't, we won't. And they just all seem very relaxed to me, including Kyle. And I, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's almost like they were I – mean, Denny was more relaxed at Miami than he was at Phoenix, which is interesting to me. I mean, you know, I would have I'd have thought that pressure would have just built. But at Miami, yeah, man, it's like a birthday party night and – it's like it's a normal race. Yeah, I had to remind myself the magnitude of the event after I talked to every driver because they had found a way to um, – I won't say ignore it because they didn't. They would answer your questions directly. I think more accept it. They have found a way to accept that. I think Truex said it the best. We talked to him in Phoenix, and he said, look, all you can hope for is a chance to go to Miami with a shot because it's one race. Christopher Bell said that about the Xfinity Series. He goes, look, it's one race. It doesn't make it less important. It doesn't mean I don't want it. Please, by no means, make this sound like, oh, well, we're, we're discounting it. No, but he's like, what do you want me to do? I'm going to prepare. I'm only preparing for one race. That's one track. Right? I'm not preparing for 10 tracks. I'm not preparing for a season. Yeah. You can only do so much. I feel like the narrative was different this year from 2014. And Kevin Harvick was in both championships, so he's a, he's a great way to kind of have this perspective. In 2014, it seemed like if you didn't win the championship, it was life or death. And now, this year, it seemed like each guy said getting to the championship round is almost like winning a title now. Like, that makes your season. And maybe your point, Jeff, maybe that's why Denny Hamlin says, hey, we made it, and the caution comes out, there's nothing you can do. There's circumstances that determine the championship in this race, and we made it, and we had the shot. That's all we can hope for. I, think they, I actually think they leaned on each other and hurt each other and built the case together. Not on purpose. Yeah. 
but I think that they each heard the next guy say something, and that took some pressure off. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if you're telling me, you know what, it's a special race, and you know maybe I, you know, you're like, yeah, I kind of like what he's saying because that make you know. But at the end of the day, Kyle Busch didn't leave there saying, well, it's just you know just another race, and you know we're gonna make the bet. You know, it's a championship. It is a, and I think some of those, some of those reactions and comments and and are a little staged. I think that you don't want to show your weakness to your competitor. I know when I was stressed in the race and stressed and I I made it a point to to make sure that every driver at driver introductions knew I wasn't, even though internally I was, just because you don't want to show weakness. And I think some of it was that, and some of it was just plain and simple experience. When you've been there, you've experienced that, and all those guys, with the exception of Denny, they've all been there multiple times with a chance to win the championship. You just can't replace that experience. I'm sorry. Tom Brady goes to the Super Bowl with a completely different mindset than when Cam Newton went. It's a completely different mindset. You cannot replace experience. You just can't. Talking about how subdued these guys seem to be, there was also a subdued feeling a little bit after the race when Kyle Busch wins the championship, and he wasn't as exuberant, I think, as we've seen other champions celebrate. You know, I do remember taking the white flag and and uh, crossing underneath that, and just I had some tears rolling down my eyes for the last lap, and was just like, "Come on, man, we still got to finish this damn thing. Don't be such a assist." <laughs> Emotions were starting to set in. I just uh, probably didn't know where where the hell my mind was was at, but knew we had won, and and we had won big, and um, was just kind of being a bit more subdued about it. And I think with Samantha who said, I, I think he's just in shock. His wife just said, hey, this is just where he is right now. I think if you don't allow yourself to get into this place of putting this race on this pedestal, you can't just instantly celebrate it, right? It, I think you're going to see a much more celebratory Kyle Busch at the championship week in Nashville than you're going to see just because you just can't flip the switch, yeah. right? Like, like it would be one thing if you go back to old school championships, right? I think when someone came in with a 40-point lead – they let their mind think, man, what would this be like? And I actually think that might even have happened to competitors in this format, but not the competitors we had in Miami. None of those guys were willing to discuss what it could be, what it would mean. what it. Every time I said, what would this mean to you? I got a waste of an answer. Not because <laughs> they didn't have an opinion. They weren't even ready. They were not going to let their mind go there because it could be a weakness. You know, they're like, nope, I'm going to show up and do my job. And so I think Kyle Busch was in a state of shock. I think how does anybody supposed to predict how someone should feel? Um, it was definitely more subdued than I expected, uh, but it seemed to gain. So normally the most general reaction is immediate after the checkered flag. With Kyle, it felt like it got more genuine the farther it got away through the evening with the quotes and the different things I, I, I've seen him do. Right. Um, Celebrating with Brexton, throwing yeah, him Yeah, right. Air, so I actually in. think it's going to continue all the way through Nashville. That, I mean, that's my opinion on it. Yeah, I, I don't know how to criticize someone and how they celebrate, right? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I think everybody's their own person. It did seem subdued, uh, but, you know, I think a lot of what – I think Steve hit it on the head. You can't tell yourself for two weeks, you know, hey – it's going to be what it's going to be, and you can't bring yourself down like that and then flip the switch. I, I agree with – I think that so that had a huge role. I mean, you got to remember, it's not like other sports, right? You don't have a 50-50 chance. Right, right. <laughs> right. right. If you're, you're going to go in, in most every other major sporting event, whether it's the Super Bowl or the World Series, you know, it's one or the other. It's 
In this, this case, is, it's 25%. Yeah, at best. <laughs> at best. Yeah, yeah. And you make a good point. I mean, when Kyle Busch came to the, the post-race stage and talked to Kyle, Kristen, and DJ, KB's first question to Kyle Busch was, hey. Two. Two. I know you've thought about it. What does it mean? Uh, honestly, I haven't thought about it because yeah. I didn't want to get too disappointed in the moment if it didn't yeah. happen. So I think well, right. I, I, the, 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 he has thought yeah. about it. And, and, you know, because <laughs> he's thought about seven But he's filed yes. it away somewhere that he wasn't even ready to go get correct, it. Yet. Correct, correct. Yeah. But, but so, so when we spent some time with him, he was clear that, you know, that first championship, he knew some people put an asterisk next to it because he didn't run the full season. That was the year he got the medical waiver. And that bothered him. I mean, he was very he brought clear. it up. I was like, what the hell is he talking about in asterisks? Yeah, I did. Like, it bothered him way more than it was even in my mind. We were sitting across. He and I, Steve and I were sitting across from each other, and we both went, hmm, what the fuck? You know, and then. He, he reads Twitter. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, clearly. So, so, as a driver, I wouldn't read Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I'm, if I, I, my advice to every driver is turn it off. Yeah. And, but, but, but clearly, having a second championship allows him to say, Shut up, right? You know, and and I, Steve and I didn't. We don't. We don't give. I don't give any credence to the people that say he didn't win the first chance. I don't give no. I think that's a silly argument. I think that's an argument made by people that don't like this format. Yeah, right. And and um, you know, you're never going to convince them, no matter what. It's also made by people that just don't like Kyle Busch. I mean, and and I I, I think that's ridiculous. Kyle Busch is a two time champion. It's not even. It's not even a debate whether he won that other one or not. It's not even to have an. It doesn't have an asterisk to it. Nothing. I I never thought Kyle was an I I I me 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 sort of driver, um, but it stood out to me how much he deflected. Um, once the race ended. Yeah. You know, I, I've yeah. never thought that he tried to take the attention. I just think he gets it because he's so polarizing and the fans react to him, and so you know he doesn't have to do a whole lot to get the attention. And I felt like it was an effort um, and a conscious effort to talk about Adam Stevens, Joe Gibbs Racing, the crew, the team. Sponsor. Yeah, yeah. the sponsor. Like, I, I don't know. There was a point in his life, and maybe because he was miserable throughout the year, I don't know what drove it. But when he got out of that car, I don't feel that was state. You know, sometimes you go, oh, I'd like to thank this sponsor, that sponsor, this sponsor. That wasn't it. It wasn't, I like to thank Eminem. No, he was the, the specific people within the company that believed in him. Interstate batteries and the specific people that, and it was, it felt very different to well, me. Usually he comes off as having this swagger, this confidence, and it wasn't as if he was humble, but it was, it did feel kind of different the way he talked about it. And I, he told us on Thursday at Media Day, I wonder if this is part of it. He said, I'm behind in wins and championships. I've got one championship, but this is my fifth appearance in the final round. I wanted seven championships. Now I think I can only get five. Like the clock is ticking. And even when he wins number two, he's still thinking, oh man, I'm, 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 only, I'm 34 years old. I've only got a few more years to get to, to five. So I think that's valid. I, I, listen, I'll tell you, I was a horrible celebrator. Like I, <laughs> you know, when I won a race and never won a championship, but when I won a race, you know, as soon as I got out of the car, I was excited. And within three, four, six minutes, I'm on to the next thing. And my wife used to get so mad at me, like, let's go. You know, and I'm like, no, like the race next week. Like, this is over. And that may be it. It may be just quite simply he won the championship. He and his team won the championship. They got it done. But they're supposed to, right? Like, we're not yeah. going to celebrate like we, we're, not, we're not supposed to. Like, we weren't, he, even though he said he, he's the underdog, he doesn't consider himself the underdog, nor should he, right? His drive and talent, the number of races he's won, there's no way he is an underdog, Right? If they're not running well enough, 
It's because a car won't get it done. And so for him, I, I think that's a great point, Nate. I think quite simply, he fully expects to win championship. And there's nothing wrong. Like I'm, I'm good with that. I'm exactly. okay with that. Yeah. And when people tell me like, oh, he can't be happy. He can't just like celebrate it. I'm like, well, the reason he's so good is because that's how he's wired. That's how he's driven. And I'm not going to criticize him for, like you said, Jeff, I mean, who am I to criticize how a guy celebrates his championship as long as he has that burning desire, passion to win not only that one, but four more. And let's be clear. Never, ever have I questioned Kyle Busch's desire no to one, win. I, I would hope no one ever, ever does. <laughs> I mean, just look at every post-race interview this year, and you should not question the man's yeah. desire to win. I mean, no. look, if, or you, ability. If, yeah. if you wanted an explosive-type celebration, it was going to be Denny Hamlin. Right. In right. my mind, it was relatively clear, right? You, you, Kyle, okay, you have Harvick. I think, it, I mean, he was going to be appreciative, don't get me wrong. Truex the same way. Denny Hamlin would have been the explosion. Denny yeah. Hamlin would have been the moment in time. Uh, some because it's his first. I think that's fair to everybody. Some because of what he went through to get to his chance at a first. Um, I, I actually came away from this race a little let down because I felt like by no one's fault, we – we're lined up for a heavyweight battle, and, and, and between a few mistakes and Kyle Busch's execution, I felt like I got robbed of the, of the battle over the last 40 laps that, that I believe we were going to get. So uh, real quick on the Denny thing. So uh, I, we were down before the race doing, doing our pre-race stuff from the grid and before the race, and this explosion of applause and screaming broke out. And I turn around and what the, what the hell is that? I turn around and look, and Denny Hamlin is walking up to his car. And like a basketball football game, here comes their player. And all the people around mm-hmm. Denny Hamlin's car, yeah, yeah, I'm not the fans. Like his people yeah, his yeah. Support were cheering staff, him. His... I've never seen that at a race. I've never seen – that's a basketball football thing where you have driver introductions and everybody cheers. This happened at his car. Like his people, his team, his family, his friends, they erupted in applause before the race. I've never seen that before. It was fun. It was cool. And to your point, like that would have been a hell of a party. Like that would have been because all those, all that support staff was there. And, and, but I think Kyle's support staff, they're the same as he will. He's the best driver. He's going to win. You know what I mean? It's just a completely different perspective. And and their approach is like he's just a Kyle. Truex and Harvick are all relatively professionally reserved, right? They just are. As per- Denny right. isn't right. and never has right. been, nor should he be. Right. I said it after the Phoenix win. The sport needs a flamboyant type, successful star. And I think Denny doesn't try to be flamboyant, but he's comfortable in this. He's comfortable in, I am buddies with MJ. Right. I'm buddies right. with the best basketball player to ever walk the planet. He's the guy. He's here wearing my logo on his hat. Great. Good for the sport, good for Denny. That would have been the most storybook of the championship storylines. No question. If Denny Hamlin had won, for all the reasons you articulated, for Michael Jordan, for the J.D. Gibbs factor who discovered Denny Hamlin, all of those reasons, it would have been incredible if the 11 would have won the title. They did not, and nor did Martin Truex Jr. So that was a big part of Kyle Busch winning the championship. I want to talk to you guys about both of those mistakes. Let's start with Truex. Dominated stage one, and after thumping the field, 30 laps into stage two, they make this fundamental error that somebody... um, on one of our production calls today compared to Chris Webber 
calling the timeout when they didn't have it in the national championship game in 1993. Adam Stevens was flummoxed by this when he was asked about it afterward. He said as a crew chief, he'd never seen a team change tires this way and put the tires on the wrong sides of the cars. There were processes in place to prevent that from happening. For it to happen in the biggest race of the season with probably the best car, it hasn't happened. So, uh, so here, here's the thing. Let's be clear. This just confirms that what we did all last week was worth it, that this is not another race, that the stage is huge. And the drivers impressed us with their approach. But this isn't four guys. And this is four teams. And the only – I mean, it's a simple mistake, but the only sort of understanding I can get is just the – I won't say the pressure – but the magnitude, the distractions, the weekend, the group, the people within the pits, something changed. Something in the cog of the wheel that had that 19 team chugging along all year long, something in there was amiss enough that this slipped through the cracks. I, I don't know how, but the simple fact is the four were too big of names and too fast of teams to have this type of mistake. This is what cost the 19 their shot. In sports, you know, we, we as fans love these moments where winners and losers happen, right? That's what sports are about. Uh, I feel bad for the people that go home on Sunday night after that that were directly involved in that because they feel, and I have felt this before, they feel the weight of their entire company, their sponsors, their driver, their crew chief, their cohort, they feel the weight on their shoulders. And... Uh, it's a part of sports that you love your team to win, uh, but you should respect the people that you're competing against because for them, and I'm not saying it's, it's, it, it's warranted, but for them, they'll never forget this. No. They'll never, ever forget this mistake. And for people to raise their hands and say, I want to put myself in that situation, we should have respect for them. At the same time, clearly a mistake that should never have happened. This is missing. This is as simple of a thing as it can be that got messed up. And, and it's inexcusable. There's no question about that. Uh, but, and they'll live with it. And I feel bad for them. I, I truly feel bad for them. I've been in that situation where I, not at this level, but I've been in a situation where I knew I let everybody down. And it's a horrible feeling. And uh, they are people. You know, we can't forget they are people, and they have families, and they work, and they try hard. It's made a mistake, but it's a mistake on the huge stage. I mean, people are going to remember this as Kyle Busch's championship, but when they think about what happened in this race, they're probably going to remember, oh, it was the race in which the best car put tires on the wrong side and cost itself a championship. Because that's more surprising than someone winning. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's really it. I mean, look, I agree with everything Jeff said about the pressure, and I feel bad for the people that did it, but the simple fact is there are moments in sports that we will all remember. Bill Buckner had to move out of Boston when he let a ground ball go between his legs. It's a simple – like, I'm sorry. It, that's it. Welcome to performance at the biggest stage. Right? What's different in NASCAR is there are people who will never be named and never be heard of that make an average wage to operate on a race team – they are not baseball players or football players on the field, right? There are all these team members in a race team that are, you know, there to do their job. But in the end, if any of them, you know, we, we hear, hey, thank the guys at the shop, thank the team, and I think we hear it so often we take it for granted. Well, here you go. Simple there, and, mistake. And, 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 and may this sport never be in a position where we don't have that. If yeah. this sport's ever in a position where you don't have more people than just a driver in this situation – where pit stops matter, where pit crews matter, 
That's what this sport's always been about. It is a huge part of this sport. And I hope that never changes because that's in the very fabric of what this sport is about. We claim it to be a team sport. Well, it is. Yeah, winning and, we and losing. Just, we just yeah. saw it's not, it's not just about the driver, nor is it just about the quarterback, nor is it just about the best player on the basketball team. The guy on the bench that was yelling, time out, time out, when Chris Reber called it, who was that? To this day, we don't know. We do know it happened because everybody said they heard it. Yeah. But to this day, we don't know who that person was. And it, same thing here, right? There's things that happen behind the scenes that make these things happen. And one or two people are in the center of it. There's always a backstory. Let's talk about the other Joe Gibbs Racing mistake that cost the 11 a championship bid. This was more of a calculated mistake. Chris Gabehart makes the decision, last pit stop of the race, to put an extra, very large, I thought, piece of tape <laughs> on the front grill. And essentially, the, the way the analogy I would use here is he took the ball out of Denny Hamlin's hands and put it in the hands of a backup point guard. He, ever, he essentially said, you know, we, we haven't asked one of our tire carriers to slap a gigantic piece of tape on the front grill during 12 seconds of frenzy, but during the season's most important pit stop, we're going to do it because we think it's worth an extra tenth of a second maybe to catch Kyle Busch because we don't think we can do it if we don't do this. So so the goal was, if you look at the nose of that 11 car, there were multiple pieces of tape that had been applied throughout time, and they were all starting to flip up. So the size of that tape was to repair some of the issues and to add a little tape. The point is, the most important part of a crew chief, in my mind, my job was to provide a vehicle and a plan to allow my superstar, which is the race car driver and always will be, to show me his talent. Bill Belichick... If they're on offense, you give Tom Brady the ball. Simple as that. You win and die. You win and lose by your best player. That's how you should do. And the best player on the 11 is the guy that holds the wheel. He's the superstar. And I feel that I understand the call. I think that the aggressive nature of Chris Gabehart, the calculated approach, the little bit of, of – um, I can appreciate because that's how they won six races and that's how they got here. But I think this is one he wishes he would have back because um, I think you have to make a call that if executed poorly doesn't end your night. And that was one that there was no margin for error. You know, I think you can accomplish the same advantage with a much smaller piece of tape put anywhere on the grill. And if he does it wrong, we don't get the advantage, but we're still in the game. And this was kind of – there was no bailout. So this is, why, this is why I like working with Steve because he and I, I have a different point of view. So, yes – you give you give Brady the ball, okay? But if you got to work on the ball before you gave it to Brady, you would. If you got to make the ball the way you could make it to give Brady the best opportunity to do what he needs to do, you would do that. And that's what separates this sport from every other sport. No other sport do you get the players and the equipment. You got to have the best you got to have the best driver and the best car. Right? No other sport do we do this. That's why it makes it more complicated. So I agree with him. Give Denny Hamlin the ball, but you got to give him a ball that's as fast or it's got to be faster than the ball that's in front of you because he was behind. He was over two seconds behind. How are you going to catch Kyle Busch two seconds ahead of you? I didn't see any evidence they had the car quick enough to do it. There was one time in that run where Denny was quicker, but then – then Kyle started pulling back away. So I think this was clearly a mistake. I mean, clearly clearly a combination of, of, of the tape being put in the wrong place, asking a guy to do this and this situation. Like, 
clearly a mistake. But I don't think that the 11 wins this race unless they do something big. I don't think there's enough speed, and it wasn't all night. So I think that they, they, they tried too hard. They tried too hard. I'll give you that. But I, it's a mistake that shouldn't happen. But the first mistake, true action mistake, was the unforced error. This was not. This, this was, was a rush. this was a forced error so I in response the to the speed of the 18. The oh. decision on top of the pit box was an unforced error. So I, I mean, so I take that position. Like that yeah. is he he is he trusted his guy. He had a guy that he trusted could get it done the way he wanted to. Was that too much of an expectation? Clearly, but that's. Yeah. That's why that's why Steve and I work well together because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I mean um I just feel you know I I it's unfortunate with sideways I think at that point you have worked 35 weeks and 90% of a race to have a shot in the last 35 laps and you're 2 seconds behind with not a lap or two to go there's still 35 laps to go a lot can happen and I just feel um you know I just don't I just don't like the call I don't like the call I don't like making a call that can take you out of the race, and that's what he did. And no second guessing, do you think, on the part of Denny Hamlin? He seemed okay with it, like you said, Steve. He said, "This is how we won races all year. This is why Chris Gavehart got me the championship round. This kind of aggression." But he was really fast in that final round. They're going to, there's clearly they're going to second guess this. Yeah, you yeah, have oh to. Yeah. You have. Could you have, have won the race? Do you think if they? If they I don't, don't think make he that next stop. You don't. But think, who knows? Okay. To who Steve's knows. point. Yeah. To Steve's point. Know. We don't I thought know. the eleven was getting better the cooler the track got. I thought yeah. so too. But, and I, yeah. I think Chris Capehart believes that as well. Yeah. So, so we don't know. That's Steve said earlier that he thought that we missed a great race because of these issues, and I agree with that. What would have happened if the tires hadn't got a reverse? What would have happened if the tape hadn't got put on? We don't know. But, but it's easy to pick out the decision made in Miami. But if he's not that same guy, they might not be there. I don't know. Yeah. Right. How right. the hell does this car have a 12-second lead at Phoenix? Apparently something much faster than his teammates. So, you know, you can't take one without the other. But if I'm going to analyze a single situation, I think it was a very poor judgment by the leader of the group. But it clearly let's be clear, I'm not clearly throwing didn't stones. <laughs> I, yeah, I, let's, let's be clear. I'm not throwing stones, right? Like, yeah. I say that as somebody who's, who's crew chiefed 300 or 400 races and made a lot of judgment errors. So, you know, we're not picking on him. It's so hard. I think crew chiefs' jobs are underappreciated because I don't care how good your driver is. And Kevin Harvick says a great driver won't take a bad car and win with it, right? He's right. So so I, as a driver, am going to always be complaining to him. When, you, when I'm leading by six seconds – I'm still telling him what is wrong with the car he provided me to drive. No one's like, oh, it's perfect. Love it. It's great. Killing them, man. It's easy. No. Man, my stuff's getting tight. You got to fix it. You're up by seven seconds, brother. Yeah. You know, like, like, so, so that constant push, that constant complaint, that constant pushing of crew chiefs puts them in very difficult situations. Clearly, this was a a mistake, right? Clearly, yeah. this is. I'm not defending the. Well, it matches Denny Hamlin at Texas. Let's be clear. Yeah, yeah. Just balances out. I mean, I have no problems with Denny messed up. He wrecked yeah. at Texas. Well, here yeah. you go. Yeah. Gabehart messed up. He yeah. stuck a big piece of tape on the car. Shouldn't it? Right? Like it's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, we we got a couple minutes left. You guys gotta go do NASCAR America. But before we wrap up, uh, I just want to get your takes. I mean, this this was the 18th and final time that Homestead Miami Speedway hosted the championship. I shouldn't say final. 18th straight time. It might not. 
be the last time. But next year it goes to Phoenix. Phoenix has got a lot to live up to. We heard so, from Steve Phillips they're going to make some changes to improve short track racing next year. What, what do we see for this title race next year? I think the title race should move consistently. Okay. Um, there's too much on the line in one race to go to a track that can suit one star more than the others. I just think that in the realm of the superstar's career, the title race should move. The caveat is I think when it moves to X track, the entire playoff lineup should move. There should be a set that goes together. So there should be a Miami-looking playoffs. There should be a Phoenix-looking playoffs. And I'd, listen, I don't care where it is other than it has to be in a, a weather place that the fans decide to come out to. So I'm no you know, meteorologist, whether that's Vegas, Texas, uh, Miami, Phoenix. I'm not okay with Daytona. I think a plate race would be a little bit too exorbitant to try to think we're going to settle this. But there's four or five tracks that I think we owe it to the different markets, the different fans, the Super Bowl moves so every fan can find a way there. I think we owe it to the fan base to do the same thing and owe it to the competitors for the variety. Yeah, next next year is very uh, short track minded. If you look at the cutoff races, you look at the right. final race. Right. Martinsville Cup Phoenix. series, short yeah. track, and road course, right? Yeah. They're very – it's very geared to that. And because of that, changes have to be made. There, Steve Phelps talked about it. Uh, the owners can't stand in the way of this. The owners going to need to back you mean away. changes to the – Changes to the cars. Yeah, changes to the cars. Cut so the spoiler down, we change got, the got to do something. Yeah. The, the short track racing has not been – we've got Bristol as a cutoff race, the Roval as a cutoff race, Martinsville as a cutoff race, Phoenix as a championship race. It's very short track minded. Those cars better be cars that can put on the kind of races – that justified moving the schedule to look like this. Because this schedule was moved for a reason. Because the fans like short track racing, but the short tracks need to be really good racing to have this schedule. So um, NASCAR recognizes it. The drivers recognize it. The fans recognize it. I hope that the owners recognize it. And the owners, you know, quite honestly, the owners are why we are where we are now with one package. And, and it, you know, supposedly one package. It's one, the packages are completely different from the other one anyway. I never understood the argument why we can't have two packages when we have two packages, you know. So, you know, they, they owners need to relent and give an opportunity for the changes that need to be made to create the opportunity to have the best racing they can possibly have on the short tracks. And, and if not, then moving this schedule around was the wrong thing to do. All right. Well, they got a couple of months to figure it out, and hopefully in 2020 we'll be talking about some new rules then. Uh, guys, as always, enjoyed it. Thanks for the insight. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I still don't believe this is the last one. It's not. You'll be back, I promise. <laughs> Our thanks again to Steve Letart and Jeff Burton for joining us on the final 2019 playoff edition of the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Really enjoyed doing these. I thought we had great insight and analysis from all of our NASCAR and NBC analysts. And want to thank not just Stevie and Jeff, but of course Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett also appearing on the podcast over the last 10 weeks. Really brought a ton of good stuff, good content to the NASCAR NBC podcast, and I appreciate them putting in a little bit of extra time before NASCAR America and sometimes after NASCAR America. And I say that with much gratitude because their time is very valuable, and we appreciate it. So this is the final NASCAR and NBC podcast of the 2019 playoffs. However, I will probably have another episode coming in December 
I taped a conversation with a well-known NASCAR figure who isn't working in NASCAR currently full-time. To give you a little bit of a tease, I'm not going to give you any more than that. You'll have to stay tuned, but I probably will pop that at some point in December, so stay tuned for that. And then as we get rolling in 2020, the NASCAR and NBC podcast will return. I think that much like 2019, you'll see a variety in the way that I do the podcast. I will still have the traditional conversational sit-downs with people, with drivers, with personalities in NASCAR. I want to try to do more of the narrative-type episodes that we did in 2019, like the Bristol-August 1999 race 20 years later, like the rise, fall, and rebirth of the J-Ski website. I got a lot of good feedback on both of those, like the Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Dale Earnhardt run the 2001 Rolex 24. That was our first attempt with that, kicking off 2018, and that was really well-received. So I'm going to try to do more of those episodes because I think people enjoy those and I enjoy doing them. They're fun to do as a journalist, but I know that there is interest as well in the the sit down conversations. I like doing those as well. They're just, they're hard to do on a continual weekly basis along with the rest of my day job. So I will try to balance that out and uh, try to plot out a schedule here in 2020 in which we will hit all of those different formats for the NASCAR NBC podcast and hopefully bring you some more great content next year. As always, you can find the NASCAR NBC podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Please leave a rating and review. That helps us spread the word and really helps us out. And you can, as always, send me feedback as well on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. And just want to say thanks again, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate everybody's support, all the feedback that I get on this podcast. It's made me a much better interviewer. It's made me a better journalist. And a lot of that is because of the audience engagement I get from people who are listening. So I really, really value your loyalty and just want to say thanks. Enjoy the holidays. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.